Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, that sure was a night to remember. Your UCF men's basketball team defeated number three Kansas at Addition Financial Arena last night. We're going to talk about it. We're also going to talk about all of the new transfers that have been committing to UCF over the last couple of days. And KJ Jefferson having his first introductory press conference as a UCF Knight. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. With NFL playoffs right around the corner and the NBA season in full swing, BetOnline has you covered with all the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. By myself today... Obviously, it's just me. Uh, Hopefully going to make this somewhat quick because there's been news, right? There has been news in the world of UCF, but I think it's going to pick up a little bit more in the next week or so when stuff is finalized. We can start looking at the roster as a whole, um, and we can kind of start to look back on the season and talk about the the future. Uh, I think what's been interesting about this UCF football season has just been the off-season month with how much news has gone, we wanted to do a uh, episode designed strictly to just look at the roster, give grades and do all that, but we haven't really had time because of all the news that's come out. So hopefully we'll be able to do that, but I think as stuff moves on, you know, it's kind of late news given all of the new players that have joined the team and, uh, you know, that's going to kind of be something we might not do yet anymore, but you know, I'm going to throw a curveball. No football to start this pod. No, no, no. We can't do football to start out. I know that's the thumbnail. I know that's what everybody wants to hear. And if you just want to hear football and you don't want any basketball, the time codes are down below. So you can you could skip to the football part if that's, that's all you care about. I know we are a UCF football podcast, but as we've tried to do ever since we started this pod, is to talk about other sports at UCF, right? Uh, Because stuff like last night doesn't come around a whole often. Um, I I mean, last year when UCF beat Memphis in double overtime, we made an episode on it because we, we were like, that was an incredible win, and not a lot of people viewed it. So I hope now with UCF being in the Big 12 and the excitement around the program, it gives us an opportunity to kind of delve into the basketball world a little bit. A little bit. We want to do stuff with UCF basketball, uh, like some live watch-alongs, kind of make it an extra season. Because, again, football is not for a little bit. Uh, we have spring coming up, but football is not for a little. So let's talk about your UCF Knights basketball team. I was in attendance last night. Uh, the one game I really wanted to go to uh, was the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, you, you have a program that's storied, right? One of the oldest programs, one as many national championships as you can think of off the top of your head as a legendary head coach right now in Bill Self and, you know, has one of the best players in the country in Hunter Dickinson. And 
I go into last night, and I think like all of us, the assumption is UCF's going to get blown out. Because the assumption for UCF going into this season was they're not going to be able to compete with the Big 12. They don't have the roster. The roster is a bunch of transfer players just meshed together for a year. And when it comes to Big 12 play, they're going to get absolutely obliterated. And we talked about this in the offseason uh, a little bit when we were kind of talking about Johnny and you know how a lot of people were going for Johnny's head. And I said, who, who would you rather have? I know Rick Pitino was an option at one point, and UCF fans were, were pushing hard for anybody but Johnny Dawkins. And I'm like, who would you rather have? Johnny Dawkins has proven he can recruit at a high level. He can win big games. He's respected, well-respected in the college basketball, the college sports, and even pro landscape. Bill Self, even post-game, when they said, what is it about Johnny Dawkins? Or what is it like, I forgot the exact question. But the I think it was what's one word to describe Johnny Dawkins as a coach. And he said class. Straight class. Class. He said there's nobody more that you can respect more in the coaching profession than Johnny Dawkins. And when you look at a school like UCF, listen, you're coming up to the big boy table. I mean, UCF has had good years in basketball, obviously going to the NCAA tournament, you know, going to the NIT, like they've had solid years. But you're in a different league now. You're in a whole other ball game. You're in the best basketball conference in the nation. In your first game, getting a little taste of that, you got blown out. We, uh, One of my friends was driving down I-4, and there was a scoreboard of the game for some reason on I-4. And I think the score at one point was, what, 21-3 or 14-3, and it got out of hand. UCF got killed by Kansas State. Now, granted, it's an away game, and a lot of these away games, you're going to realize it's going to be a lot of losses because it is hard to win on the road in general, but especially in Big 12 basketball conference play. So it's like you look at UCF's schedule after the next four games, and you're looking at it, and you're like, Kansas State was an unranked team. They did win the conference last year, but unranked, uh, According to Lenardi, they're one of the last four out. So they're not even one of the first four out. They're one of the last four out as of right now. And you're getting blown out. And then you're looking at the schedule and you're saying, you have to go play Kansas. You got to go play BYU. You got to go play Texas. And then you have to go play Houston all in a span of like a week and a half, two weeks. Yeah, okay, good luck. So I think we all knew, okay, we're going to go into this Kansas game. You get to see the Kansas Jayhawks. That was what we were all thinking. Kansas, the, the Kansas Jayhawks are going to be inside Edition Financial Arena, and you'll get to see one of the best teams in the country play basketball against UCF. And you'll probably see this team in the Elite Eight in about two months. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool as a sports fan. So I go in, and Edition Financial Arena is completely packed to the brim. To the brim. And I don't, there's no, I think they announced that there's only been two sellouts, two sellouts at Edition Financial Arena for basketball. And the last one was 2017, and this is the second one. Now, I will say there were a lot of Kansas fans, which is to be expected. When, like, listen, guess what? If you're going to the game Saturday, there's going to be a bunch of BYU fans, right? So 
That doesn't shock me at all. But there's a lot of Kansas fans. I was sitting around all of them. And, you know, I'm not going to go into every little detail of the game. Like, obviously, UCF started on that 7-0 run. It got the crowd really into it. And then Kansas, for basically the rest of the first half, just took over. And if it wasn't for UCF making that run with about two minutes, three minutes at the end of the half, we're probably not sitting here having this conversation about UCF men's basketball having probably their biggest win in program history. But it happened. UCF was down by eight, heading into the second half. They came out of the second half, and they just fought. They just fought. They hit critical shots. Jalen Sellers, I mean, I think there was a couple players of the game. Um, Jalen Sellers is one. Had 18 points, two rebounds and assists. He just hit critical three-point shots at times where UCF needed the offense. Ibrahim Diallo. Ibrahim Diallo. I mean, to go up against Hunter Dickinson, he scored 13, 5, and 3, and Hunter Dickinson scored 12 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist. I mean, now granted, uh, Coach Self said in the the post game that uh, he's dealing with a knee issue or a bruised knee. You know, that's an excuse, uh, which I think Bill Self, to his credit, he was very complimentary of UCF basketball. He did not make any excuses. Said UCF was the better team. But I think it just goes to show you how deep this league is and how a team like UCF, who had no business, called like it is, go heading into the game, they had no business winning this game. Kansas is the better team all around. Like, again, I think Johnny Dawkins said it. Like, any team in the country would take though their starting five in a heartbeat. But I think depth-wise, I think this is one thing that we looked at Coach Dawkins and we said, listen, do you have the five-star guys right now? No. You're going to start getting them, as you see in recruiting and stuff like that. UCF is making significant strides in that. Do you have those guys right now? No. You had Taylor Hendricks last year. You don't really have those guys this year. But what you do have is a bunch of really good players from 1 to 10. You have a good about 10 players that listen, it shows you last night that that can really go out and win any game. Sure, are they going to get blown out some nights? Absolutely. Sure, is it going to be really hard to win on the road with a, a team that is this defensively sound but just doesn't have a lot of offense some nights? Yes. Like, to hold Kansas to 60 is incredible. If you look at Kansas' offense normally, the UCF defense and how they sh- shifted some things and, and going to 2-3, 1-3-1, man-to-man... It, it really kind of forced Kansas's offense to try and figure out new ways to score the basketball. And that's credit to Johnny Dawkins. The Johnny Dawkins haters are not waking up, did not wake up this morning feeling very happy. But I think what it shows you is for all of the people that, you know, and I, I, listen, it's with any sports fan or with any, you know, fan of sports team where you get annoyed if, you're not winning as much or if there's not as much progress and I I get it time is of the essence every year you want your team to be good but I think in this situation and in especially with the Gus situation right there's certain fans that just come for their head after a bad loss or after a multitude of losses and it's like 
us as sport, or, or you know, if you're a sports fan in general, you need to look at the bigger picture sometimes. I think this is a good way to look at the bigger picture that one of the best coaches in college basketball, if not the best coach in college basketball right now, is saying that Johnny Dawkins, that UCF is lucky to have Johnny Dawkins, goes out and beats Kansas in the first home game of the Big 12, number three team in the country, technically would have been number one if they beat UCF because number one, Purdue, and number two, Houston, both lost in the last couple days. So Kansas was going to be number one in the country. But you beat the number three team in the country. What a win. What a win by UCF basketball. And listen, I'm not saying this is going to happen much more. But I think it shows you that it shouldn't shock anybody if it happens again. Like, listen, I, I don't even have their schedule pulled up. But if you look at their schedule over the next, I don't know, couple. Oh, here we go. You got number 18 BYU on Saturday. That's at home. You got number 25 Texas on Wednesday, January 17th. Then you got, you have to go to Houston and play Houston on the road on January 20th. Then it doesn't get any easier, obviously. You're in the Big 12. You get West Virginia. That could potentially be a win. Then you have to travel to Cincinnati. And by the way, th- that all happens in a two-week span. From the 13th to the 27th, you're playing BYU, Texas, Houston, West Virginia, and Cincinnati. It doesn't get easy. And UCF has to learn to win on the road. I mean, you did lose 52-77 to to Kansas State on the road. You're going to have a lot more road games. Now, the schedule does loosen up a little bit towards the back half. I mean, you do have to play BYU Again, you play Baylor, so that's tough. You play Oklahoma, so there's some tough games. But to finish with West Virginia, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Houston, and TCU, when I say loosen up, I mean still one of the toughest schedules in America, but compared to what you're about to face in the next couple weeks. But I have faith in this team, and listen, I think they showed a lot. And I think it showed Johnny Dawkins just saved his job. Because for all the people that thought Johnny Dawkins was on the hot seat, he just proved what he can do with, let's be honest here, a average roster. This isn't a great roster. This is an average roster. But credit to the players, they play way harder than what most teams can expect. They're very athletic, and they play really good on the defensive side of the basketball court. So credit to the UCF men's basketball team. All right, let's get into football. All right, so all the, we did our basketball talk. Let's get into some football here. KG Jefferson had his introductory press conference. We're not going to get too much into this, to be completely honest, because there was nothing said or nothing that you can kind of take from it as transformative. But I think what the one thing that you could take from it, from this presser, is... Yes, does NIL make a factor? Absolutely. The first thing that Gus Malzahn did in the press conference was thank Kingdom NIL and the members of Kingdom NIL for helping them pull off their transfer portal additions. So NIL 100% plays a factor. But when you go to KJ Jefferson and the questions are asked to KJ like, what was it about UCF compared to other schools? This was good to know. KJ had wanted to play for Gus Malzahn uh, in his recruitment. But Gus Malzahn, they signed another quarterback, and they only bring in one quarterback. So, never got to play for him. 
favorite player was Cam Newton growing up. And Michael Vick as a, a game to model himself after. And then when you talk about schools that were reaching out to him and why there was not really, he took a visit to UCF and he talked to his mom and it was almost like just a done deal. Florida State, Miami, TCU, some top tier schools reached out to KJ that we kind of knew about, but even we didn't know Florida State reached out to him. The fact that he even said, the players that came back, the system that I'll be in, the Gus Malzahn system, I know that this was the right fit for me. It just proves everything that we were saying leading up. And then Gus said, we hit a home run. This is exactly what we wanted. And I think he knows, like there were the rumors that he would enter, and you have to do your due diligence on every other player. But I think credit to Gus and staff for locking it down and, you know, credit for KJ seeing, you know, the brighter picture and not necessarily just chasing certain teams. Because I think you could easily look at college football and say, oh, I'll go play for Florida State. I'll go play for Miami. But I think for KJ looking at it and saying, no, I'm going to go play for Gus Malzahn at UCF and I know I'm going to light it up. And I did like what he said about I need to get them to trust me first. And that's my first job right now is getting the players around me to trust me. And I liked I liked hearing that. Cuz what could really ruffle feathers or whatever is you come in you're getting paid a good chunk of money and you're QB1 and you just, you know, go about. I think it showed that he's a really good leader to be like I need these guys to trust me. Because I and my number one thing is getting playmakers the ball. Like I further plays I get plays to be extended to get my playmakers the ball so they could do what they do. Sounds like a good leader, and I'm excited to really follow him over the next year or so, um, and hopefully excited to see him play in the spring game um, because I think he's going to really light it up this year. All right, like I said, not too long of an episode, but I figured while we're here, there's been a lot of booms, and it's not getting... I know of a couple more, and I can't wait to talk about them because I think they're really going to increase the level that this team is going to be playing at. But I was looking, and again, when you tweet out so many booms, you just sometimes forget. And you're like, oh, that was a good chunk in a good week there. Um, So let's talk about the last however many. Jeez, six, seven? Um, Let's start with Josiah Pierre, linebacker, played at Texas Tech. Um, 6-2-2-20. I mean, again, there's no question UCF is going after guys that are, I'm not going to say proven. I think more so guys that have played, started um, for depth. And listen, guys that will come in and be able to really compete for the job. Like, because that's ultimately what it is. You're bringing in a bunch of linebackers to ultimately compete. And listen, whoever comes out on top comes out on top. But at the end of the day, it's about who's going to make the best case. Pierre tack- uh, tallied 133 tackles and five sacks in 34 games, played over three seasons at Texas Tech. Nikai Hill Green most likely is not coming to UCF. I know a lot of people were asking questions to me on Twitter about that. Uh, he's probably going to Florida State. He, he scrubbed everything from 
UCF off of his social media. So that's why you're seeing a good chunk of linebackers um, start to get committed. But I also don't think that has anything to do with Nikai, you know, leaving or saying I'm not coming. I think they were going to do this anyway. Um, Antoine Jackson, cornerback. This was a huge get. And I, I think UCF fans that really knew him can understand it because he's an ECU transfer. They're like, oh, okay, it's an ECU corner going the Jire Wilson kind of way. He was a true freshman last year, started for ECU, originally was committed to Miami from Fort Lauderdale. And listen, he right now in the train, he was a four-star consensus last year um, in the 2023 class. And he got a lot of meaningful snaps this year for ECU. Now, ECU wasn't very good. And I'm not going to sit here and say it, it was transformative. But, I mean, there was a lot of teams vying for him in that portal. There was a lot of teams going after him. Because, again, he got meaningful snaps in year one. As a, as a true freshman, that's really hard to do. And he did it at ECU. And that's ultimately, I think, why he went to ECU over Miami. He knew he'd be, be able to play early. And that was great. So I think for UCF's point of view, I think it really opens up the cornerback room. Because, again, you've lost a couple of your starting corners over the last couple of years. Corey Thornton is now gone. There is a youth movement heading into the secondary that you see happening before your eyes. I mean, look at You have Damari Henderson basically going to be your starter. You have Nakai Martinez basically going to be your starter. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, you have two corners that are most likely going to be sophomores, sophomores or juniors, maybe even freshmen. So it's opening up a youth movement in on that back-end defensive side. So a guy like Antoine Jackson is looking at it like, I could come in as a sophomore, played all year last year, and I could easily see him starting in year one potentially, which I think is what the coaches see. I think that's what Jackson sees. Uh, Wes Dorsey, offensive tackle, coming from Western Kentucky, uh, played with Ricky Barber, actually, for, I think, a year or so when he was on a team. 6'6", 315, again, a guy that is just a good depth signing. Um, I could easily see him starting. Um, I think he's, again, when you look at your the offensive line, you're really trying to fill a couple different positions. Tylen Grable's gone, so you're really trying to figure out who's going to be that tackle. Kahi Paule, he's going to be gone. That's more, more so a guard um, position. Um, they signed earlier in the... They signed Jabari Brooks earlier. He's probably going to be your center. So, like, you've already got that figure out, and he's one of the best um, offensive linemen in the class. So, getting a guy like Wes Dorsey, one year left... It helps you in case there's not a better option at tackle. And he can really come in and fit that role. Um, Xavier Carter, coming from UNLV, uh, he's going to play linebacker. They put on the the graphic of him, linebacker. Um, he played somewhat edge linebacker, whatever. He was originally committed to LSU, um, and he was one of the top, top uh, linebackers in the nation in the 2021 class. So, um, when he was getting recruited, he was one of the top linebackers, obviously signed to LSU during that time, and linebackers signed to LSU in general are really sought after because if you're signed to LSU as a linebacker, the tutelage of linebackers that have gone to LSU has been extensive. So um, went to LSU for a year, transferred to UNLV, and now he's coming um, to UCF. I could easily see him 
again, all these linebackers, you could easily say, eh, I could see them starting. And this is another one. I think more so I see it as a depth piece for UCF. Um, hey, let's bring him in, see what he does. And that's basically all these linebackers. You're bringing these guys in to compete and see who kind of gets ahead of the other. Um, because I don't think there's set starters next year by any means. Uh, Goldie Lawrence, wide receiver. Uh, as you guys know, if you've been watching this podcast for the last year and a half, I was a huge Goldie Lawrence fan. Uh, it was my number one guy that I looked to commit to UCF. I was so pumped because I think this kid is just a stud. Wide receiver, 6'2", 190 out of uh, Sanford, Florida, went to Seminole. And he signed to Florida State. And listen, it, it was what it was, right? I hated losing out on him. But I'm, again, with these kids that you maybe lose out on in the first go-around, right? You say, listen, anything can happen, right? And look at a year later, he transfers out and comes here. Um so it's a huge gift for UCF. And again, there might be more coming. Um, I am assuming there's one, another wide receiver that's going to be committing. Um, that's not so much a young one. It's a little bit of an older one. Um, but that also helps with kind of where we're at. Um, and I think it's a huge get. Um, next guy. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. I haven't done the pronunciation on him, but it's one of our biggest gets. X-Ray uh, Alexander. X-Ray is probably my most anticipated just with, again, he was a true freshman last year. Didn't, I, I'm, I, when it comes to linebackers, again, like I just said, and I'm going to repeat myself, I'm sorry. He got snaps as a true freshman, didn't start for Idaho. Now he had other options. He he had options to go to Arizona, options to go to Arizona State, chose to go to Idaho. Got snaps as a true freshman and finished the year with 74 total tackles, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. This dude's a stud. You go put the tape on, again, young kid, fast, pure linebacker, 6'1", 185. I, out of all those guys that we just mentioned, out of all the players that we just mentioned, I think this is the one that's probably going to start at linebacker. I feel more confident in that. Now, granted, like I just said, it's an open competition. These guys are all getting brought in to say, hey, let's see. Like, let's go down the list. Because I'm pretty sure it's like, what, four linebackers? You got one, two, three, and four. Deshaun Pace is basically coming in for, for, to be a linebacker. Four. Um, f- four. Okay, four. As of right now, four. So you're bringing in four linebackers to already the young guys you have on the roster to say, hey, let's go out there, compete, and see who comes out on top. And I think competition is really going to help that room in general because, okay, last year you had basically two starters right off the bat, and, and they didn't perform up to the level you needed. But I think when you look at this UCF Knights team, I think we can all agree there were two positions of need, quarterback and linebacker. And I think defensively, UCF's fine. I mean, you have the you have the the front. You've got the, your front seven right there. That defensive line, they were good last year. But if running backs break through that that front seven, who's on your back end? And I think when it comes to linebackers, I think UCF has a lot of good options. We'll see if they add any more. But I think as of right now, I'm happy with what they've added. We'll see how it kind of comes to be in spring and who's kind of 
the name coming out of spring ball. But I like what UCF has done, and I'm excited to see more and excited to see who they add. Um, I know, like I said, I know a couple names. I'm excited to see if those guys end up committing. And then hopefully we can get in a, a press conference with Gus kind of explaining reasoning and what he likes about all these players and how he views these players fitting into the program. Because as you know, with a lot of transfers we bought in the last couple years, it, it, you don't know if they're going to see the field. I mean, again, you brought in guys like Trent Whittemore who barely saw the field. You saw a lot of uh, defensive guys that you brought in thinking, hey, you you could see this guy playing immediately, and they never saw the field at all. So you never know with UCF. You never know if they're going to play or not. But I think with this year specifically, I think it's a pretty safe bet that some of these guys you're going to see are going to be starting immediately. So we'll see. I'm excited to hear more about it, and I'm excited for another week of UCF news to come out and hopefully a UCF men's basketball win on Saturday. Like I said, I guess 30 minutes. So, you know, decently sized episode, but I appreciate you guys uh, watching as always. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, do all you need to do. We're six, two subscribers, last I checked, away from 600. So friends, family, do what you got to do. We appreciate the support as always. If you guys want a hat, again, we have the link down below in our Etsy shop. We are out of the blue hats. These are, you know, personal ones that uh, were kind of test models, but... Uh, we have basically all the hats except the blue ones. So go down in the Etsy shop down below. And if you want one, go get one. Uh, and yeah, as always, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week. This has been Charge On presented by Bet Online. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.